Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. It's episode 35 of the Back Check. It's time for what we have been waiting for for a long time, and it's to talk about playoff hockey. And we got off to a phenomenal start. Right, Bruins, Caps go to OT, and we're like, okay, first game of the playoffs, OT. Next thing you know, the Islanders, Pens go to OT. You've got Vegas, Minnesota goes to OT, and everyone thought that Tampa and Florida was going to OT until Braden Point decided otherwise. So four absolute phenomenal games off the bat. Stefan, how you doing today, buddy? And how was watching some hockey yesterday? I know that you had a little bit of a road trip in the middle, but still some hockey on. Yeah, so I went up to Buffalo to visit my brother who's graduating. So that was a very, very fun time, as you could hear in my voice. But, yeah, so, I mean, we might as well start with the Islanders. So when I found out the schedule and I found out that the game was at 12 o'clock on Sunday, I knew that I was driving home during that time. Now, my friend was driving. So I knew I could watch, but it's Buffalo. The service is going to be good on the way home. It's an eight-hour trek. However, I found a way to not miss a single minute via hotspot. So thank you to T-Mobile Hotspot for the support there because I didn't miss a single moment of the game. It was epic. The car went absolutely bonkers when Palmieri netted the game-winning overtime goal, which is an absolute snipe. It was just a fantastic day of hockey. I, I, honestly, I couldn't get enough hockey that after all the games were done, I watched Vancouver-Calgary. And again, that <laughs> meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, I was I was not watching that game in the slightest because uh, after the high of all the emotion that we had watched, from the day's uh, games, I was not going to subject myself to the torture that would have been the Calgary Flames. It was terrible. The game, <laughs> was, Vancouver the game, was, the game was garbage that last game. But let's you know, let's go to the Islanders, right? So 
Penguins took it to the Islanders early. I know the Islanders scored the first goal. Palmieri scores the first one. But it was one of those games where the Islanders started off strong, but allowed the Penguins to play their game. And Sorokin, who started this game because Varlamov wasn't 100%, played quite well. A few goals you look back and go, okay, he was too far back in his crease. But otherwise, the the defense in front didn't really help on most of them. But Sorokin made some really big saves in the second period to keep this game close. And then in the third, the Islanders scored two. Unfortunate, unfortunate that I don't know how a team like the Islanders does this, where they get a huge goal. Brock Nelson, huge goal, which should never go in. And we'll talk about Jari's struggles in a little bit, but... They score in 31 seconds later. Let the Penguins tie it up. I mean, that is that is the complete opposite of what Barry Trotz wants to see in an Islanders game when you score a late goal with four minutes or so left in the third period. And then it goes to overtime. And, you know, for overtime for me, it was more of a both teams waited back. And, like, it was a, you know, the filling out process you usually see in the first period of a playoff game and a first game of a series. That's what we saw in overtime. I feel like they're... The chances weren't that many. It was very slow. It wasn't a fast pace. Again, it's not 3-on-3. Three three, it's 5-on-5 five five now. you gotta, you got to focus more on the defensive side of the puck. But the honors got their chance, and they make it count. And Kyle Palmieri had two goals since the trade deadline. Two goals in 17 games. Scores two goals in this one. Pajot was great with a goal and two assists. His goal can't go in either, but, but it does. And it was just a matter of, for an Islanders team that, you know, expected goals for during the regular season, it wasn't far from how many goals they actually scored. For the Penguins, the Penguins scored like 26 or 28 more goals than they should have. And the Islanders showed yesterday that, get the shots on goal. They had 41 shots on goal. Four goals go in. Four goals that probably should not ever go in. So when you look at the statistics, the high danger, all that stuff, statistically those shots probably don't end up in the back of the net. And that's what the Islanders need to do. They need to create offense, but also... Get those goals. Get those goals that shouldn't go in because the Islanders' offense isn't good enough to rely on those high danger chances every time. you got to create goals, create plays. And what they did with Tristan Jari, and they abused his glove side. I mean, they abused it all game long, and they scored the four goals all glove side. That's what you have to do when you have a weakness like that. I mean, Jari showed it during the regular season, especially against the Islanders. And you wondered, like, I know that one game went to a shootout. Islanders shot blocker side every time in the shootout. I mean, how do you not go glove side? It's clearly a clear weakness for Jari, who... I mean, as a goalie myself, Brendan, when a goalie drops down, I, I get in the NHL level because goalies are so big. But, you know, you're a forward defender or whatever. When you see a goalie drop down, what's the first thing you're going to think? You don't even think that with Jar. You just know where you're shooting, but if standing up or not. I've never seen a goalie who's – he gets set like this with his glove hand high, and as soon as the shot comes, he drops his glove and tries to use his shoulder. And then he overcompensated, and then he overcompensated on Nelson's shot because he was expecting Nelson to go high glove. And Nelson squeaked one in seven old glove side. I mean, it was just listen. Jari had a, not a great start to the season. He played better, and he got he had a, like a solid year. But I mean, he was an all star. He, he's got to play better than that. And in a game like this, in a game where you need your goalies to come up with big saves, he came up with the big saves in tight. But the Islanders did their homework. They said, okay, we are going to shoot from the outside and score. I mean, Pajot's goal. How did Pajot's goal was a snipe? And they talked to Pajot after the game, and he said he meant to go five hole and just just missed his spot but on what planet does Jari drop on that and how do you not track that that's a far shot let me get me wrong that that's a nice shot but it's it not a shot that should go in that's yeah, gotta be, has to be stopped in the nhl and you look at all the goals he allowed if he just stands up i know and the islander fans will be like well primary's goal at the end was an absolute snipe yes it's an absolute snipe. Peugeot's shot was a snipe but if Jari is standing up and especially on the last goal if he's hugging the post like you're supposed to that shot at your shoulder and goes out, out of play. Uh, not out of play, you know, behind the net or whatever. 
he dropped. And when he dropped, he didn't move over enough, and it scored. Those are goals that, in the playoffs, if you want to win a series or lose a series, those are the goals that are going to define the, the series because there's no way, you know, maybe Jari allows one of those goals. That last goal probably is the hardest one for him to stop just because of the little room he had. But the other three shouldn't be in the back of the net, and the Penguins probably should have walked away with a 4-1 win, 5-1 win in this one, and they didn't. And now they're down one nothing for an Islanders team that was – Two four and two against the Penguins this season, and lost all four on the road in regulation. For the Islanders to come into Pittsburgh, win on the road in Game One, they also averaged one point seven five or something goals per game at the Penguins this season, and scored four yesterday. I mean, this was the start you needed to see from this Islanders team. And yes, this series is far from over, but Game One on the road against a team you struggle with on the road for a team that can't win on the road the whole year to get a game one victory on the road. It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you could toss those regular season matchups that yeah, out the window when it comes to the postseason, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Smiths in that next game, not because Jari played absolutely terrible. He allowed four terrible goals, but at the same time, if the Islanders are clearly going to pick his golf apart, like they just did in game one, why put him back out there? I mean, he made a couple of big blocker saves, but I've never seen a goaltender whose glove hand looks like it's made of lead because of how low he was holding it the whole entire time. You can get beat once, whatever. Every goalie gets beat. Twice? Uh, three times? Unacceptable. Four times? All right, that's ridiculous. I mean, they, they were shooting to one side. Learn. Compensate. Uh, he just didn't do anything. This is a game of adjustments. Every sports game of adjustments. But in hockey, if you get beat that many times on one side, how about focus on making those saves? They beat you blocker side. All right, maybe it's a good shot, but the whole entire game, he was very good and tight. He was very good blocker side. He made huge saves. But when you look at his overall game, it's a wash because it doesn't matter what he did on those. He never came up with that clutch glove save. And the Islanders, it's just funny because the Islanders are a team that never takes advantage of anything ever. And they legit saw the glove side every time and said, we're going to take advantage of this. And they were, they pushed and pushed and pushed and kept trying. And they found a way to come through. And you look at Palmieri, I mean... The amount of you-know-what he took after struggling mightily to score goals, this is why he was brought in. Again, you just said it. Regular season means nothing. It means nothing. This guy's a competitor. This guy's an unreal shot. Especially the first one he scored. I mean, that was an absolute rip. And that's yeah. what the Islanders need from a guy like Palmieri because they need secondary depth. Matt Barzell was horrendous. Horrendous in this game. Invisible. And for an Islanders team that usually focuses, like in a couple of years ago, where it was Tavares or nothing. You know, If he didn't step up, they didn't win. In a game like this, if this is a Tavares-type team, Islanders have no goals in the game. Because when Tavares went, that team went. And Barzal was nowhere close to anywhere close to spectacular. It was just terrible. Skates didn't work. Passing was awful. Komarov even looked better than him. And Komarov was pretty solid yesterday. But they got the secondary scoring. They got their second line to score. They got goals from their third line. The fourth line was abusing with the hits. I mean, I think the Islanders had 72 hits in this game. Is that – I don't know. I think that's how many hits they had. I think that was how – Let's see. 72 hits. It's a lot of hits. Usually when there's a lot of hits, you say that they don't have the puck. And while the Penguins didn't possess the puck a little more early on in this game and it, it settled out, they just abused the Penguins physically. I mean, look at the Penguins. It's, they had 47. So that's a lot as well. But 72 hits. Speaking, speaking of abuse, yeah, the Islanders abused Mike Matheson because Good. he looked like, oh, my God, was he terrible. I don't know if his skates were, you know, filled with a little bit of something. Maybe one of his teammates rubbed some clear on the blade or something like that, but he couldn't pivot for anything. Every time an Islander player took it wide, he was a step slow. 
he looked lost out there. And Palmieri needed that game, right? That was a huge game for him. It is why they got him. They need him to produce in the playoffs. But before we jump and go, this is why they got him, this is the – it's one game. Oh, let's, yeah. let's let's watch to see how he plays next game. But that's definitely a huge amount of confidence for him, and especially somebody that like him who's known to be a shooter. Right? We, they got him from the Devils because he can score goals. If Jari starts again and he knows he can beat him straight one on one, high glove, he's going to pick it apart. Yeah. Pick and apart. speaking of Matheson, I mean, he's the one that pretty much ended Johnny Boychuk's career. Yep. He's the one that took him out. He's an enemy. He's an enemy. Latang's an enemy for the way he acts towards the Islanders. And for the Islanders, again, they're going to be underdogs in the playoffs. I know this division was so tight that you can't say, wow, this is a major upset if the Islanders can find a way to win this series. Because it's not. Any four teams in this division could beat any of their opponents. It is what it is. But to, to take one, the first one on the road, and we'll move on to the next series in a second, take the first one on the road and have a chance to take two, even if they split, right? They go back to Nassau Coliseum where they've been electric. It is so crucial to take at least one of these two games on the road to start a series. And for the Islanders, it was, it, was, it was honestly what you needed to see from this group, especially in the third period and in overtime. Friend of the show, Rob Shrem's company, 44 Vision Hockey, is a proud sponsor of The Backcheck. 44 Vision Hockey's immersive training model is laser-focused on helping amateur players like you develop the individual skills necessary to realize your hockey goals. Improve your hockey IQ and gain an edge over other players using state-of-the-art video analysis technology, Hand-in-hand with our expert coaches who's achieved at the highest levels in both the men's and women's game, including the NHL, Olympics, and NCAA. Be the best by learning from the best. Follow them on Instagram for free video breakdowns or subscribe to their YouTube channel and visit them online at 44visionhockey.com to get started. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Let's move on. So the first game of the playoffs was the Capitals and the Bruins. And it, it lived up to, to the uh, initial hype of the physicality, the rivalry. You know, Chara and the Caps get that win, so they're up one nothing, And they look battle-tested. But I think that the story is Vanacek goes down after allowing the first goal. And how does that impact them? And when Craig Anderson came into the game, they posted that he has the – Second highest career save percentage in the postseason all time behind Tim Thomas at 9.29. So this is a guy that might just enjoy playing in the postseason. I know he's older, but maybe he'll use this as one final run. He hasn't been on a team like the Capitals since Ottawa was making those playoff pushes. So maybe he'll get a little bit of a rejuvenation. He's not sore. He's not you know tested this year. He's been rested. So maybe it'll be a good little resurgence for Craig Anderson. And I still have the Capitals winning in seven. I like what they do. And 
when they get Kuznetsov back, if they get him back this series, and if Samsonov can find a way back, I just think that they're just a little bit better than the Bruins. So the Capitals are starting Anderson in game two. Yep. Vanacek on that play definitely pulled something, whether it's a groin. I mean, it looked like a groin to me, and it, what sucks is that he allowed the goal on that too. So you're always thinking in the back of your head, well, you know, is he actually hurt or is he back? No, he, he's hurt on that play, and he's probably not going to be back anytime soon. That's probably a couple of weeks. So we'll see how far the Capitals go. But I had the Bruins winning this series. But Anderson stops 21 of 22, and he turns 40 next week. Now, I really think him not playing at all this season actually helped him. Yep. Because he's fresh. Again, the, the hardest thing to do is to not play at all during a regular season and jump into a playoff atmosphere such as this one in a game like this. And it wasn't pretty the whole time, but it didn't have to be pretty. He just had to find a way to get it, the job done. And for the soon-to-be four-year-old, he did just that, and it, it was awesome to see. But of course, Brendan, who's going to start the scoring in the Stanley Cup player, playoffs other than the Tom Wilson? Uh, listen, I uh, hate him. I don't like him, but he's good. No, he is good. <laughs> and it's, good just, it's just the fact that of all the people to light the lamp to start it, it's Tom Wilson. But yeah, the biggest to start this game was uh, Alex Ovechkin laying the body. And that was... He leveled him. That was a very physical game. Uh, Ovechkin, people forget that he's like an absolute Mack truck. But he also got, you know, a couple of licks given to him by Lazan and Miller in the corner after he made a questionable hit on Miller. So, listen, uh, the one thing I'll say across the board is that once you say, okay, it's game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, physicality becomes paramount. And it was just – it's a beautiful thing to watch, right? I mean, you had Jason Zucker going at Matt Martin in the Island of Penguins first game. I'm sitting there like, Zucker, you know you're not going to win that fight, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to these guys anymore. And that was a great example of that. Ovechkin setting the tone. Usually you expect him to set the tone offensively. Nope. He said, I'm going to run Krejci over, and he absolutely did it. So (laughs) it was an awesome start to the playoffs. I mean, that hit was huge. It it gave me – uh, Brady Shea on Jesper Foss flashbacks from it was the first qualifying round game and a minute in Shea destroys Foss knocks him out of the series Carolina scores after that Washington didn't wind up scoring right away but you don't think that they got a little bit of an adrenaline bump from that hit of course they did and you know the Capitals went into this playoffs with a chip on their shoulder I mean last year they get they get mutilated by the Islanders in this in the second round and well technically the first round but uh, after the qualifying rounds, but you, you know, I look at this Caps team and for Chara, I mean, this is this is big, very big for him because I can't imagine how hard it is to play against your former team where you, where you the team you captained for what felt like forever to join a new team to leave that team because they didn't believe that you could still play in a starting role on the back end yeah. and to come and do that and get the win. I mean, it was just exceptional and and again, it, it's a team effort when when Vanacek goes down, it's a team effort. The Capitals just have something about them where their big guys step up. And for me, I mean, Osha doesn't have to score goals or get assists to be a, a different player. For like, I mean, he's one of those players that you don't have another player like this in the NHL. And he does get an assist. I'm pretty sure he got the assist on the game-winning um, goal in OT. He did. So one of those guys that I really don't think you could root against ever. He's just one of those players that you look at teams that win cups or teams that find a way to do that. He's on that team. Whether he's lucking the points or not, he does those little things. And we can talk about a lot of players that do those little things. But what Oshie's gone through this year, the loss of his father when he scores a hat trick. I mean, everything he has gone through this season 
and then to you know come through in big moments. I feel like he always gets the job done for this team. And one of those players where you know you think about Seattle and oh, can they get him or the Caps gonna keep him? I and mean, I hope he stays with the Caps. But I mean, TJ Oshie is one of those guys that just makes your team better every time he steps in front of the ice. True competitor, and he's a true Stanley Cup kind of player. Yeah, I mean, he had a great game, but. That's what I, I said about the Capitals is that they're without Kuznetsov, sure. They're without goaltenders, yes. They're still a team that at this point they finally got over that hurdle of winning a cup, and now they know what it takes to win in the playoffs. So I, I just cannot bet against them, especially when you have Ovechkin coming back. And I know he was banged up the end of the season, but it's okay. He'll be fine in the coming postseason time, and he proved it right there, right? I mean, somebody that's really battling an injury isn't going to make their way to the other side of the ice to lay somebody out, and he did that. So a great, great start to the postseason. It carried over to the Penguins game. And then that Vegas-Minnesota game was an absolute clinic by both goaltenders. I know that Flurry made the more flashy saves. Talbot played out of his mind. Out of his mind. I mean, hats off to Cam Talbot. As, uh, equally hats off to Marc-Andre Flurry. But Vegas last year couldn't score in the postseason. Took them a couple of games. They finally got two goals. And I remember they got shut out. They were scored one and one. And like it was a battle of shutouts and when they lost in the postseason. And now all of a sudden they get shut out in game one after putting up 40 shots. That's not going to sit well with them. As a goalie myself, watching the goal that went in on Flurry to end the game, it I'd rather get absolutely snipped than see a deflection off, oh, you're your guy. Yeah, you probably loved yep. Martinez uh, in Flurry's 5-0 when obviously that's not where the shot was going off the, the, the stick of Erickson Eck. But I mean, this game was just brilliant. See, and you just talked about it. Maybe Talbot Cal- didn't make the flashier saves, but you know why he didn't have to make the flashier saves? Because his positioning was spot on more often than not. You know, watching the game, watching the highlights, he didn't have to make those flashier saves because his rebound control was so damn good. And not saying Flurry wasn't good controlling his rebounds, but the Minnesota Wild's defense was a lot better at times than than the uh, the Golden Knights because there were a lot of times where it was just one on one. Flurry versus the shooter, and he came up with that save on Caprizov when he throws his glove bomb. Yep. I mean, that's not the first time he's done that. I, I I remember vividly he's done that before, and he's made the glove save. Like it happens, and Caprizov, Caprizov, however you want to pronounce it, is showing on the the big stage how good of a hockey player he truly is. I mean, he is he is just so freaking good, and he's gonna win the Calder. I don't think there's there's a doubt in my mind about him winning the Calder. But I talked about the Wild on the last episode, Brendan. I said something about this. Well, I know game one, though, obviously, but something about this wild team. They just they just find a way. Do you know that they have twelve wins against the Vegas Golden Knights? Like twelve wins in total. We're the only team to have that many wins against that hockey club. They just find a way to get it done. They talk about it on NHL Network. They just this is a better matchup for them than I think Colorado would have pumped them. I mean, yeah, I did say that if they played Colorado I, I, again, though the Wild are just. The Wild were the best. You know, the Wild were the best first period team in hockey, goals wise. They yeah, were the best. I, again, I, I, I know, right? that. But no, but the confidence of it, more. The way I look at that is they're because ready they to got start. outshot like twenty to six in the first period. Oh yeah, yeah. No, exactly. But I'm just saying in general, they're they're the best first period team in hockey coming in. But again, that doesn't matter in the postseason. But you look at this. This Wild team is not scared. You know, they, you, other teams are going to face Vegas. Like, oh my God, the Vegas Golden Knights or the Colorado Avalanche. This Minnesota Wild team doesn't care who you are. They have the game. They have a way they play. And you just saw them yesterday and just find a way to get it done. I thought this game was going to overtime. I wanted to go to overtime. It was going to be a heartbreaker for whoever lost. But for Cam Talbot, who's bounced around, 
never really found a true home. I mean, he had that one year with the Rangers where he got into the playoffs. Yeah. Was it got helped out a lot by the defense, but he was very good. Bounced around from team to team. Comes to the Wild, which is a questionable signing for them. Turns out to be the better goal. You see, who gets waived during the season? Um, who was their starter last year? Staylock. Staylock. He gets waived and, and dropped. And you have the, the, the young rookie behind Talbot. And Talbot just said, listen, I got this. And he went up against the Vegas team who has so much offensive talent. I mean, Mark Stone cut in through like two guys yesterday and he stops them. Yep. It was just it was just one of those games for Talbot that you want to see him build on now in, in, in game two. But for this wild team, it's a major boost of confidence when you take a, take a – down a top dog like the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, we're not going to talk much about the Rangers on this show because it's a postseason show and they unfortunately did not make it. But I know alongside a lot of Rangers fans, I had a phenomenally big smile on my face when Alec Martinez is the one that tipped it past his own goaltender. Yeah, F you, buddy. Okay, so there you go. He finally has a moment where he's the one on the receiving end of some punishment in the playoffs. And like you said, Flurry. If I'm Flurry, I'm pissed off. Oh yeah, you see him walk. You see him skate off after that goal. I knew exactly what was going through his head. He was like, "Well, f that's that." I mean, there's because, a- when you're that locked in, right? Like both yeah. goaltenders were in that first game. Yeah, I feel like you you look at your defenseman and say, "If you're not a hundred percent sure that you're going to block that shot, let yeah. me save it because nothing's getting past me right now." Oh yeah. And that, that was the type of goal that one of these teams had to score. It had to be some type of, you know, puck luck goal because you, you weren't going to beat Talbot straight, and you sure as hell weren't being Flurry straight that game. So I wonder if now game two comes around, if there's what kind of adjustments these shooters are starting to make. If they, instead of firing the pucks, like Vegas shot 40 pucks on, them, on goal that game, yeah. do they lessen their shots and try to make that perfect pass? Do they get a little tight on their sticks and does it affect them? And does Minnesota take that one weak bounce and – Roll now with it. So, you also have Leonard on your bench. Yeah, I mean they won the Jennings. So I mean you have two world class goalies there. Obviously, there's no way you don't play with Flurry next game. I mean he just he earned it. He earned it, and it's unfortunate because he deserved. You could say that he deserved to win the game, but Talbot played as good. He'd have yep. to make the glorious saves, but he did his job as well. And yeah, like you said, for Vegas, I mean. This is a team that scores this scores goals. I mean, it's a team that plays defense and has great goaltending, but this is a team that knows how to light the lamp. And against a wild team, they should light the lamp. I mean, the wild are, are a good team, don't get me wrong, but Talbot's not flurry. The defense for the wild isn't the Vegas' defense, and the forward group for the wild, an underrated forward group to say the least, is not does not have the star status that Vegas does. And there's a reason why Vegas finished where they finished. And so I think, you know, Vegas has to I mean, game two's gotta be win. If the Wild find a way to win game two. Again, I mean, among they yeah. go home to Minnesota, who hasn't had a team like this with this, you know, uh, the flashiness of youngsters and the play like this in a while. That place is going to be XL Arena is going to be so hard to play in. And this is again, this is Vegas, where you come into the arena, T-Mobile Arena. This is a very difficult place to play hockey. And the Wild find a way to edge out a one nothing win. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it definitely was, and that was a very expensive game-winning uh, turnover or game-losing turnover by Petrangelo. Got yeah. a stick checked on the board, so I know that Vegas fans, there's a Sinbin Vegas, uh, one of those accounts, was not happy with it. They tweeted that out, and that's that's a tough way to lose your first postseason game when Petrangelo was the big offseason acquisition, and he coughs the puck over. But undoubtedly, the best game of the day. And I don't, I think that the Penguins-Islanders game was great, right? The Bruins-Caps game yesterday was, or two days ago was great. The Minnesota-Vegas game 
was phenomenal, even though there was only one goal scored. But this Tampa Bay-Florida game was just an absolutely different animal. I mean, both teams don't like each other. We saw it trickling from the regular season, the animosity. Everybody was hitting. Everybody. There were goals. It was a 5-4 win. It was back and forth the whole game. There were special teams plays. Nikita Kucherov comes back and puts up two Genos. Then you look at Jonathan Huberdeau, scores a breakaway goal that he got stick-checked on, never even shot the puck, and it just fooled Vasilevsky. And then he goes about a minute and a half later and makes some unreal backhand spinorama pass to score. Uh, I mean, the game had everything, right? It had altercation. It had physicality, both clean and dirty. It had goals. It had phenomenal plays. It had star players making an impact. It had big saves. It was a great hockey game. And the crowd in Florida was loud as hell. They were into it. That's first. Well, listen, fans need to be in these arenas, right? I know that the CDC just released that if you are vaccinated, then you could have, you know, you can wear your mask or take it off in, in certain places. Let's get these arenas full capacity for the second round, man. Come on. I mean, you look, at this, you look at this game, and like you said, it had everything. And Kucherov comes back from not playing it all this season, scores two goals. But I want to talk about his first goal. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a broken stick in front of him. And before yep. the pass came, he flips the puck and the stick out of the way, gets the puck, scores. And I thought that's just that just adds to that goal, the awareness. I mean, first off, you talk about – IQ through the roof. You talk about Ovechkin and his sweet spot or Stamkos and his sweet spot, the left side. I saw it firsthand when the Islanders played the Lightning last year. Kucherov is that right inside that right circle is is he loves it. He loves it. That is, that is his bread and butter, and he showed yesterday twice. First off, I don't know how you leave the guy wide open. I mean, I can say the same thing about the Islanders with eight point eight seconds left in the postseason last year, where they just left him wide open and he scores. You can't leave a guy like Kucherov wide open, but that's the problem facing this Lightning team. You leave Kucherov wide open, he's going to score. But if you take on Kucherov, points wide open. Points, first goal where Kucherov knew that the, the defense was going to go to him and he decided that he's going to slap pass it to Point, who yeah. buried in an empty net. The, the IQ, we just said, is through the roof on a play like that because, you know, Kucherov, everyone's thinking Kucherov's taking that shot. I mean, that's what's going to happen. But he knew that. He knew that everybody knew that the eyes were on him and yet he had Point wide open and Point could have shot that puck at two miles an hour. There was no one in the vicinity and the goaltender, Bobrovsky, wasn't even close to inside the net and it went right in. I mean, there were big hits in this game. I think it's another game where there's like 72 hits for one side. I think I think the Lightning had 72 hits. Um, it was just again the Lightning. Had, excuse me, they had 36 hits. The Panthers had 54. But I mean, the whole entire playoff so far has been physical, and we expect this. But the hate that we saw from these two teams—they hate each other. Hate each other. Every every time a puck was covered up, there was a scrum. Yeah, every I mean, single time. It was awesome to watch. And what a what a gaff by the freaking NHL. How do you have the Islanders-Penguins at 12 o'clock national TV, the Minnesota-Wild-Vegas game, national TV, and then this one is the one you put on NBCSN? Uh, why? Yeah. It, it makes no sense. This game should have been 12 o'clock front and center because I could have told you, anyone could have told you, that the way they finished the regular season, this game was going to be crazy. If Florida Panthers are a very good hockey team that isn't, that's getting slept on this series because of how good Tampa Bay is. And Tampa Bay wound up winning the game, but – that, that was a back-and-forth game the whole time. That was 60 minutes of enjoyable hockey. There was not one moment in there where they took a lull, any break in physicality, skill, anything. That game should have been front and center. I'm sorry. That's a bad marketing job. Listen, this is going to be a fantastic series. 
I just think it's the same thing what we saw when the Lightning played Columbus. It doesn't matter how good your team is. Lightning are just a better team. They and they find it's Braden Point. I mean, it's usually Braden Point finds a way to get it done every time. He, I mean, we saw last year against Columbus. What do you have? Two overtime goals yep. in the playoffs. He was a, 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 the whole entire run. He's electric. But you just look at this Lightning team, and they're just they're just overpowering. Before they got Kucherov back, now they have Kucherov back, and he showed that he's he's ready to go. He's primed and ready. And Vasilevsky was good yesterday. I mean, I don't think he wants to allow four goals a game. I don't think we're going to see this many goals going forward. Well, there was nine goals allowed. I really don't think there was one that either goalie can say oh. they want back. Yeah, but you still don't want to allow four or five goals in a game. I mean, that's not but ideal. Bobrovsky was a question mark coming in, too. And, yes, he allowed five, but he was solid. Oh, I mean, yeah. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning had to score three power play goals. You can't give them that many power plays. Oh, no. <laughs> so far, he's going to have to dial it down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look ahead to today. Right, you got Boston Bruins at Capitals at seven thirty. You got eight o'clock Predators at Carolina, and you got ten o'clock St. Louis at Colorado. So, Brendan, we got a couple minutes here. Bruins coming off a loss in overtime against a Capitals team that has Anderson and Net, no Vanacek. Do the Bruins bounce back, or do you think the Capitals take this one again? It's tough. I'm going to say that the Capitals go up two because I do think that Bruins hold home. So I think this will be a 2-2 series coming back to Washington. So I'm going to say the Capitals get it done again tonight. I'm going to say the Bruins just because we didn't see the Bruins at their at their peak that game. Brad Marchand was not existent. It wasn't good at all. And I think for a guy that was so good this year, I mean, we can talk about how much everybody hates him. But And besides McDavid having the year he had, Marchand was up there as being the best scorers in the NHL. And he'll get votes for it. And I think that he was MIA, but when he turns it up, I mean, this Boston Bruins team is a whole different animal. I think he finds a way to get on the board tonight, and they find a way to sneak out with the win. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I just think they're going to find a way. Tonight, I just want to see Char score one goal. Oh, Boston. yes. Yes, <laughs> I would love to see that. I would love to go see him and then hug the Bruins bench. No, I'm kidding. But um, you know, Nashville, Carolina, we spoke about this. I, I just think great story for Nashville. Great story. This Carolina Hurricanes team is very good. Very. I, listen, I've been wrong before. Uh, just, this is just one series that I have ultimate faith. Like if, if we had one of those wind meters, yeah. my wind meter would be 99.9% in favor of Carolina. And I, I don't see any way that they don't leave tonight without sending a message where I, I'm talking like a 5-1 game. I know that yesterday we were like, well, any of these games, you know, end in regulation. Yeah, this one will. Yeah. This one will. I mean, I'm assuming we're going to see a storm surge. I just, I don't, yeah, like you said, I like it. Nashville is, is good, and I just think they were one of those teams that, yeah, they got into the playoffs, but that's as far as they're going. Like, they could cap the season off by they made the playoffs, and it was a yeah. weird, rough season for them, but they found a way to get in. But there's nothing more is going to come of that. And, I mean, Rob Brindamore's unreal coach, could win coach of the year. They won the division for the first time, what, since, for, was it first time ever or first time since they won the cup? I think it was the first time no, since they won the, the cup. first time since they won the cup, but. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time coming, but this Carolina team, I mean, every year they seem to get better and better, which is scary because there's so many good teams in this N- in the NHL. But, you know, you look at Carolina, and this is a, a team effort group. I mean, there's we talk about it, They don't have, like, the superstars that other teams have. They just find a way to get a compact group together and have every line do something special each night. And I just don't see Nashville having any of their guys step up. They have talent. They have talent, and they don't – they just don't – I don't think they play to their – their full potential. I don't see that coming against this tough Carolina team. No, it won't. 
<laughs> I, I just have – I watched what Carolina did last year to the Rangers. Yeah. And I, I get a similar vibe here. Not be, Nashville's a better team than the Rangers were last year. Like, they, they, they're primed for a playoff push. Yeah, because you know, they made that they made that run at the end where they secured that spot and held off Dallas and every other team there. But you're talking about a Carolina team that is just built to run people over, and low they just sneakily throughout the course of the season just navigated one of the best records. I mean, they beat out a Tampa Bay team who we saw yesterday is still loaded, Florida who's still loaded, and, and they just under the radar blew everyone away. Yeah, it's just. Again, one of those teams that just is going to probably kill the Predators. You know, the Predators are Predators, but they're going to be praying this series. And I like what I just said there. I'm going to tap myself on the back, Brennan. That was a good one. <laughs> but let's move on to the, you know, Blues at Colorado. And like you say, Nashville is going to get absolutely annihilated in this series. I don't see St. Louis doing anything. First off, you already know where my stance is on Binghamton. I'll remind everybody. I don't think he's ever going to be as good as what we saw. I don't think it's. I don't think it's possible. It's rather hard for him to do that. He could be really good for the rest of his career. I don't think he'll ever get close to that again. I just don't have the faith that he's the same guy that he was in that run. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of emotion went into that run. A lot of you know, it was a different a different feel to this team. And you look at the St. Louis Blues and this Colorado Avalanche team is just unreal. And McKinnon didn't play to end the season. He, I think he missed five of six or whatever. But that's just that's not because he's hurt. It's because they're resting him. I mean, he was banged up a little bit. He's been banged up during the year. I just this Colorado Avalanche team. If they don't win this series, shame on them. Just shame on them. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, <laughs> I I don't mind being wrong. Like, yeah. But this is I I look at this series as being completely over already. And you mentioned McKinnon didn't even play in five of the last six. McKinnon wasn't even the Avalanche's best player this year. It was yeah. Miko Rannan, which just shows how good they are. And we were, we were doing the, our picks for puck pros, right? We were picking yeah. who we think is going to win each round and then the cup winner. So I picked the Avalanche to win the cup. That's been my cup winner since before the season started. I said that Colorado's going to win. And I picked Gabriel Landeskog to win the Conn Smythe. And I'm just looking through this roster. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't pick McKinnon. I didn't pick Rantanen. I picked Landeskog. They have Makar on the back end. Grubauer has been very good. I mean, you can just go down the whole entire roster and just pick off names. Uh, they got four lines that could score. They got three pairs of defense that could score. Loaded. Absolutely loaded. And I just – I'm sorry to whoever has to try to get in their way. Right now it's going to be St. Louis, and they're going to get bowled over next round. If Vegas can't pull it out and they play Minnesota, I think they bull Minnesota down. If Vegas does get there, that's going to be a heck of a series. But I just – I don't know if Vegas can compete with that speed. This is a dangerous hockey team, man. Dangerous. And we forget that they basically won that game against Dallas and before getting eliminated and the goal got taken back or whatever the situation was. I remember that they were like this close to winning it in regulation, went to OT and they lost. Another team that's got a little bit of a chip here. Speaking of taking back, we didn't talk about it. How is that goalie interference in the Florida Panther Lightning game? I, I don't know. I mean, how do you call that goalie interference? I didn't. I watched the replay numerous times because, as a goalie, I want to feel for the goalie. Like, if if I really didn't think there was a, I don't know what they saw. I really the, don't. The puck was loose in the crease, but right? it, wasn't, he, it wasn't covered. Hornquist poking, and he might have hit the pad, but he's vividly going for the puck. Like it's not he's not poking Vasilevsky in because the puck's under him. He's poking at the puck and then Bennett's the one that taps it home. I 
to me, it wasn't goalie interference. I mean, I could see where the pad poke made a turn Vasilevsky a little bit, but I just don't think it, you can call that in a playoff game. I, especially with what they've been calling in the playoff. I, I don't I don't think that – you look at that play, and I think the definition of goal interference is you impede the goalie from making a save. That poke on the pad didn't impede Vas, um, didn't impede the goalie from making the save. So I think that – no, Vasilevsky, excuse me, from making the save. So I don't know how they call that. That's a huge – again, you don't, you don't blame the refs. That game was back and forth. Anybody could have won that. Take away that goal, but – I mean, you give the goal there. That's that's a big that's a big goal to knock. Especially count. with what happened, Tampa Bay scored like 15 right seconds after, after that. Coleman, and, right? uh, that was Coleman. Uh, it was, it was Blake Coleman, yeah, shorthanded. Yeah. And now Blake, uh, Blake, now Sam Bennett is going to be getting a hearing today because of the boarding that uh, penalty that he took, which wound up giving Tampa Bay the power play to tie it, and then eventually they won. So. Bennett was on the wrong side of every single call of that game. He had the goaltender interference that took away his goal. Then he took a stupid penalty that leads to Tampa Bay tying it up. And then he's going to be having a hearing, which means he likely is done for at least game two. Um, and after what he's done for Florida since getting acquired by Cal- from Calgary at the deadline, that's a big loss in their lineup. It is. And, you know, what did you think? I know you're a big McDonough guy, obviously a Ranger captain. So much respect for him. What do you think about his hit on Duclair? A bad hit, not a major. Two okay. minute boarding is right. He didn't. He didn't blow through him into the boards. Like he shoved him. So yeah, I, I, I think you can't be doing that. Like the numbers were there the whole time. It is a penalty. I agree with it not being a major, but I think he'll be the first to tell you that he shouldn't have done that. He was just got carried away a little bit with the, how fast everything was going in that game. If they find him, they find him. I wouldn't be angry with that either. But I think that's more hockey play than intent to injure. Um, and Duclair was fine. I think he tried to sell it a little bit. I mean, of course you have to. But Brendan, I mean, what a what a two days of Stanley Cup playoffs. A third one today. I mean, cheers. Hopefully your work day goes pretty fast and you get to you get to watch all the games tonight. I surely will be. And then the Islanders are back at it again tomorrow, which obviously we're all stoked about here. So. Enjoy the rest of your day, Brennan. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll see you guys back again this week. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.